Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome back to the Defiant Spirit Podcast. I am Baruch Levy, also known as B, and I am delighted you have once again tuned in to this podcast where today we're going to be exploring the Enneagram of not just any person. We're going to be exploring today as I'm recording this on MLK Day, Martin Luther King Day, Enneagram 8, because although I don't think he took a test, I think it's pretty much agreed. I certainly believe that Martin Luther King reacted and responded like an Enneagram 8. Um, now, this is a last minute podcast. I, I didn't have it as part of my regular scheduled programming. So might get to you a little bit late, but uh, it'll still be timely um, going forward. And I just want to pay tribute to a a great man and a great eight who really defied his number and lived his spirit. So what do we do with, um, with this idea that Martin Luther King reacted and responded as an Enneagram 8? For anybody who's just joining us, I say reacted and responded as much as I can. I mean, I will shorthand it sometimes that, you know, I happen to react and respond like an 8. I sometimes will say I am an 8. You know how it goes. But it's not who I am. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an 8, but I also have uh, a lot of four in me, Enneagram four, the individualist, the Enneagram eight, the challenger, uh, a lot of seven, the enthusiast. And then beyond the Enneagram, you know, those are just pieces of, of my personality, of, of the energy that makes me up and you up. Um, I have all kinds of different factors of who we are. So when we say I am, fill in the blank, it's so reductionistic, it reduces us. And I don't want anybody ever to feel reduced by these concepts, this system, certainly my defy your number take on it. On the opposite, I believe this can be about liberation of not of realizing this isn't who we are. It's where we react and where we respond. And this is the Viktor Frankl, my teacher mentor piece of between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies your power to choose your response. So just because things happen to us, doesn't mean we have to react, doesn't mean we have to be unconscious, doesn't mean we have to be our personality and survive like we have. We can defy that. We can defy our number. We can choose our response. And that's why I think Martin Luther King is such a great example of an Enneagram, um, defy your number kind of approach, because most people seem somewhat surprised by Martin Luther King when I say, he was probably an Enneagram 8. Why, why are people surprised? Well, I think there's multiple reasons. One of them is because I think we have deified a man. And I have challenges theologically with deifying a man. You know, nothing against other systems that um, go in a different direction. But I don't believe a man or a woman, a human being, 
can be God. That's just my theological worldview. I believe that human beings are mortal, and as being mortal, we can never be immortal. We can never be infinite if we're finite. And so Martin Luther King was a man. I see this. You know, I've shared with you many times. I've officiated at well over 500 funerals um, as a rabbi. And sometimes people get vilified in death and some people, times people get deified in death. So I've seen, you know, um, people like turn their parents into one or the other, and a saint or a sinner. And life is complicated. People are complicated. I don't think we're ever really either. Maybe there are extremes. Maybe, you know, Adolf Hitler was the incarnate of evil and um, Mother Teresa. Well, not even Mother Teresa. I don't know who the perfect saint was, the Buddha. I don't know. But and uh, Martin Luther King was a man. And, and I just think it's important because, you know, men and women make, human beings make mistakes. We have flaws. We have shortcomings. I refuse to turn anybody into a saint because I don't think it does them justice. I don't want to be, I, I definitely won't be, you know, um, uh, canonized as a, as, a, as a saint, but I wouldn't want to be, even if I could be. I want, I want to be remembered as, as a real person with real hopes and dreams and strengths and aspirations and also real struggles and shadows and shortcomings and failings. That's just who we are. I think we make a, um, I think we do a great disservice to the people whom we love in our lives when we want to turn them into saints, when we don't want to talk about the shadows. I'm not here to talk about Martin Luther King's shadows, but he had shadows. All you have to do is Google Martin Luther King's shadows. You're going to come up with quite a few. So it's important to not do that because if, if we do that, if we turn him into, you know, Saint Martin, then we can't understand how he was an eight because eights don't seem like saints. Of all the types, I would argue they're probably the least likely to be, what's the word? I can't remember when you make somebody into a saint. There's a word you'll email me. Um, it's not really done in my uh, religion tradition of birth. So, but certainly we can do great harm by making us think that, well, he couldn't be an eight. Well, we're overlooking the ingredients of Martin Luther King's being, of his time here on earth, which was obviously far too short. So let's get into some of those ingredients because they are the ingredients of an eight. One of the things I refer when I was a back when I was a rabbi and I would have to do bar bat mitzvahs was I did not like I'm sorry if you're listening I'm sorry if you're one of them um, but you know like it's not really it doesn't really work in this day and age because I think in thousand years ago it made sense but when we became 13 we were a man we were a woman we get married we go off we go to war we'd whatever you know 14 15. But now you're basically a child to like 33 out of grad school or something. So there's just such a distance between that 13 and that manhood or womanhood that it just always felt disingenuous. So it wasn't my favorite thing. But one of the things I really didn't like was I would make the kids give a bar bat mitzvah talk, you know, something of meaning value that they learned. And I had to ban Martin Luther King. I had to ban a handful of things because they became such cliches like, is Martin Luther King the only good person that ever walked the earth that we have to quote him in every speech? I love the man. I'm doing a podcast on him. But 
oh my god there's like a whole list of great men and women throughout history we can draw upon so like i had to like say you know like if all things possible choose somebody besides mother Teresa and martin luther king and a handful of other saints so um and i say that because again martin luther king was not an easy person eights are never easy how can you be easy if you're going to transform systems if you're going to you know devote your life to justice in a world that's so filled with injustice you, you can be many things but easy and eights are do not go hand in hand so if you want to know the fundamentals of an enneagram eight start looking you can check out my program i give you plenty of examples pictures you're not going to find any easy eights enneagram nine the the peacemaker behind me um you're going to find tons of easygoing Enneagram 9 peacemakers. You're going to find lots of easygoing twos. You're not going to find lots of easygoing eights. Martin Luther King was not easygoing. Why? Because at the core of an eight is anger. And if you don't think Martin Luther King was angry, then you haven't listened to his speeches. Listen to this man's fire and brimstone. You don't get there without anger. Now, here's the crux of the conversation today and, and whenever we talk about eights. Eights that succumb to the anger, that react and, and react upon the anger, they're not great, right? Nobody's great if we succumb to our nature. The whole work of our life and, and what defines great men and women are those who are, as I've mentioned many times, supernatural. Martin Luther King was supernatural. He could not fly. He did not have x-ray vision. What do I mean by supernatural? Just like so many others were supernatural. Um, he, super, super means beyond or transcend. And nature, natural is nature. And so he transcended his nature. That's what makes men and women great. When they have the capability to do something destructive, negative, harmful, hurtful, and they choose not to. It's no big, great thing for somebody who isn't capable of being competitive not to be competitive. Somebody who's not capable of, um, you know, pick your issue. Oh, for me, it's not, I'm not heroic for not drinking, not being an alcoholic. I, I, I have, it's not in me. I've, I tried for four years in college. I like tried to be an alcoholic. I drank a ton. I probably should have been an alcoholic by, you know, what I did in college, just like so many others listening. It was never in doubt. I was never in fear because it's just not my issue. It's not my stuff. Now I have other stuff that I grapple with. I, I wrestle with. That's not one of them. So for me to be courageous and brave, I've got to be facing something that is detrimental, that is an obstacle, that is a shadow. And so for an Enneagram 8 to overcome your anger, that's heroic. For an Enneagram 9 to overcome your anger or a 2, it might be a tall order, but it's not usually, in my experience, heroic because that's not their battle. But for an Enneagram 8, somebody once said, you know, when, when is an Enneagram 8 what, um, angry? What makes an 8 angry? Here's the answer. Eights are always angry. I'm always angry. Now, you may not know it. 
when we're talking. I hope you fully, you don't know it. You probably won't know it because I've learned how to defy that anger. I've learned how to harness it into something powerful, intensity. I can turn it back into something creative and constructive. Don't worry, I won't you know, blow you out of the water with anger because that's the fear of, of a reactivate. Now, if you've been around a reactivate, you can feel it. They're scary. Reactivates make us feel unsafe. Um, that's why many, if not most of the world's tyrants through history, dictators and, um, you know, just evil men and women, disproportionately, I have to say, are probably fellow eights. If you, if you look at the list, you know, Saddam Hussein and Fidel Castro and Milosevic and maybe Hitler, though I think he was probably a six or maybe a four. But, uh, I mean, the list goes on. It's really not great marketing for eights. However, we also have transformative men and women like like Martin Luther King. Why? Because he took that anger and he defied it. I mean, that's why, why partially why he's so great is because he stood for nonviolence, but he was capable of violence. How do I know that? Because he's an eight. We burn hot. There is no way this man was not capable of violence, more so than an Enneagram 9, the peacemaker, more so than a, a 4, the individualist 8s um, who overcome that sort of violent intensity and do what he did, which is to go the exact opposite extreme, to transform this country, this world probably, through nonviolent protest. My God, what a hero. Like we could have used him. I wish we had him for the past few years in, in America, certainly, where we've had violent protests. King never would have participated, did not endorse this. It's part of his back and forth between other leaders um, of civil rights who, if either promoted violence or certainly passively endorsed it, Martin Luther King did not, which is, again, so unbelievably remarkable given his Enneagram type, given what we know about Enneagram 8s. So to turn him into a you know saint, I think does a disservice to how responsive, how response-able this man was, able to choose his response and not be a slave to it. Another thing that I don't think we appreciate with Martin Luther King is the centrality of this anger. You know, we are so uncomfortable with anger that when I share that I think Martin Luther King was an eight, I also think I've changed my mind. I think Mother Teresa was an eight. I usually, like in my Defy Your Number program, she's a two and I'll probably keep her there because you just, you don't know. It's not that big of a deal. She definitely has a lot of two qualities. But the more I've read about, I... Um, I listened to a podcast about Mother Teresa. She strikes me as an eight. Like, this was not an easy woman. But again, I think we like to deify these people and turn her into something that she wasn't. Mother Teresa, right? We make it sound like, oh, so easygoing. Listen to stories about Mother Teresa. She wasn't easygoing. She wasn't nice all the time. If what you mean by, mean by nice is easygoing, you know, go along, get along kind of a thing. That wasn't Mother Teresa. She had opinions. She had her sense of right and wrong. She had her agenda. You know, she pushed you down that agenda, whether you like it or not. Like, but thank God for that. Like transformed 
the world around her because of that intensity. If I call it intensity, somehow it's okay, but if I call it anger, it's not. But this is the juice for an eight. Call it anger. Um, in Hebrew, we might call it nefesh, which is somewhere like a soul. It's like the soul, but it's life force. Maybe that's a good translation of it. So the nefesh, this life force, this intensity, burns hot in eights for a thousand different reasons. But for Martin Luther King, I think it's important to channel this man's anger, to channel this man's nefesh, whatever you want to say, this life force, because our society is very uncomfortable with anger, with intensity. You know, you can never be too mellow, but you can certainly be too intense. And I see that with my my kids. I'm, I'm even guilty of this. I got a daughter. I got four kids, but I got a daughter who's an Enneagram 9, the peacemaker, and a daughter who's a pain in the uh, eight like me. She's an eight hole and she's intense. And usually I'll go after her for being too intense. Rarely do I go after her sister for being too passive. They're both problematic. They're both ways of forcing our way through the world or avoiding what needs to be dealt with. Um, they're both reactive. So we have a harder time, I think, with the eight intensity. And you can just see it all throughout our society, but we're very uncomfortable with eight. Now, I understand why, because right, being overly passive is a long-term destructive. Like if you're passive aggressive, like a, maybe a nine or a one, then or two, you can do great damage to a relationship. But usually passive aggressive is a corrosive element over time, right? Saying yes, but meaning no, not doing something takes a long time to catch up the consequences usually. But an eight that can do a lot of damage real quick, like within one conversation can destroy a relationship with hurtful things said. I mean, we all have examples of this. Maybe they weren't always eight, but very much an eight vibe and certainly disproportionately eight-ish. Eights can blow things up. Other types can too, um, and other subtypes in particular, but in general, eights do a darn good job of blowing things up. So I understand why we are so scared of it, but the answer isn't to get rid of it. It's to harness it. It's to become response-able, able to respond. I don't want us to get rid of anger. I don't want to live in a world that doesn't have anger, that is simply om, om, om. Why? Because pissed off people fix the world. Like, I want you to be pissed off about cancer, about pick your poison that's ruining lives, that's destroying lives. Get mad, raise money, fund research, come up with solutions. Like, eights are disruptors. We want to disrupt the status quo. We want to disrupt injustice. So coming back to Martin Luther King, my God, thank thank God for this man and his angry eight energy and for not succumbing to it, not giving himself over to it. Again, was he perfect? Absolutely not. But we wouldn't have a day celebrating him if it weren't for the fact that um, he had his challenges and he harnessed, he he used those those challenging elements of his personality, of his makeup, and he did good with them. As an aside, this is why we must get rid of cancel culture. We must stop canceling people because people are complicated and we'll have no days whatsoever if we start canceling everybody who was imperfect. If we start tearing down every statue that was representative of somebody who didn't live up to our standards of perfection, 
Martin Luther King shouldn't have a day, shouldn't have statues, shouldn't have his name um, perpetuated like we do if we're going to hold him accountable to every mistake he made. And we don't. You know, we're very selective on this cancel culture thing. So let's cancel cancel culture and let's celebrate people for their successes and let's forgive them for their mistakes. Let's contextualize things. Let's put them into the context of their time. Somebody sent me an email a while back that Viktor Frankl was misogynistic because it's called Man's Search for Meaning and read through the book. It's men, 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 men. It was time. It was the, the language when he was writing in the 1940s, uh, and onwards, um, he came from a different world. It, it, don't hold people to our standards. That's immoral. Hold them to the standards of their day, contextualize things. And also at the end of the day, let's be forgiving and see people as a whole and celebrate, again, their contributions. Certainly is the case with um, Martin Luther King. So he embodies what um, great mystic, named the Koritza Rebbe. I've shared this many times before. This is a driving quote for me in my life. We all have a handful of these, and this is one of mine. The Koritza Rebbe said, I conquered anger a long time ago, and now I keep it in my pocket. That way it's there close to my heart when I need it. This was a mystic, right, who understood that there are times when we need access to our anger. We should not live it. We should not allow it to drive the bus, but there are times when we need to stop the bus and take out the anger out of our pocket and use it. And I think that that's really one of Martin Luther King's greatest contributions of carrying the anger in his pocket and using it, not being used by it. So really just an important aspect of Martin Luther King that I don't think anybody really is talking about that does talk about on this day of, um, you know, MLK Day, wonderful things being said about him. But I think this is one of his greatest contributions. Frederick Nietzsche once said, let me get this, remember this from memory. I have verily laughed at men who thought themselves good because they had no claws. Right? What does that mean? It means that just because you remove somebody's claws doesn't make them good. It means they have no claws. Now, you can fill in the blank with claws, whatever that is to you. I use the example sometimes I work with a lot of recovering addicts. And ultimately, if you are on a desert island as a, as a recovering alcoholic, as an example, and you have no access to a bar, are you really sober, right? Are you really recovering? If you have no access to the battle, to the evil, um, or have you ended up in a situation where you have no claws? I would say the same is true about anything we're facing. If, again, if it's not part of our makeup, of our struggle, am I heroic for not drinking? No, it doesn't. It, it's not my battle. But I am heroic for overcoming my claws. I resonate with Martin Luther King. I resonate with the anger thing. I must stand guard against it. I must use it and not be used by it. I must harness it and turn it into what uh, another teacher of mine Abraham Joshua Heschel called righteous indignation. I want to be around people who are righteously indignant. I don't know if that's how you say it. Um, I don't want to be around people who are angry. And you can be around, it's the same energy, but one is constructive and one is destructive. We all have our claws. We all have our battle. The Enneagram is really powerful and beautiful for helping me and others understand what those battles are. And pathways to stopping 
reacting, stop reacting and start responding and becoming responsible, responsible, able to respond. And that's my take on this MLK Day for you on the journey as you think about this great man and what he represented, because what he represented is much bigger than the man. And that is to not succumb to violence, even if we think it could be justified in the moment. You know, I heard people doing this during the um, the uh, BLM riots, that it was justified. The means justifies the ends. Martin Luther, Martin Luther King would have never signed off on that. Um, we, we can never, should never succumb to the clause, succumb to our our makeup, to our nature. It's not good enough. We are here, and we have plenty of examples like Martin Luther King to show us of a better path, a higher path. And that path is and should always be to become supernatural, to rise above our nature, to defy our nature, not to get rid of it, it doesn't go away, but to put it in our pocket for safekeeping because whatever your particular clause are, your battle is, there's a time and a place for you to take it out and use it. There's nothing that's been given to us that doesn't have a blessing, a source of energy within it that is good. And we, our work, whether it's with the Enneagram or just in life in general, is to go into those shadows, to go into that... um, into that arena and to to master it, right? And not be mastered by it and to harness it and to put it to work for the greater good. Thank you, Martin Luther King. That is the one of the many examples that you have left. And certainly for me on this MLK Day, I'm just honored and privileged to be able to share um, an Enneagram 8, a healthy response, able Enneagram 8. I will try and do that going around the Enneagram. There are plenty of wonderful examples of each type. So if you have any ideas, shoot me an email. We'll maybe even tie them to particular days um, that we have off here in America or in the world where we celebrate. To me, this is a better way to celebrate than what my kids are doing on MLK Day, which is uh, refraining from going to school and going to the mall. I'm not sure MLK would have signed off on that. I think we can do better. We should do better. So let's think about different ways we can honor great men and women throughout history. And one of the ways I can think of is the Enneagram. So thank you to a responsible, a responsible eight. I will talk to you in the next podcast. Until then, defy your number and live your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the Defiant Spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your fine spirit.